The kids going out now already. And so I do, it is a, maybe we can put on the lights there, Pierre, at the back there for you. Or oh, Renee, thanks. Oh, there we all are. There's everyone. And just, yeah, it is, it's really cool to have Justin come and share with us this morning. Um, he's not an elder. He's not a deacon. He's not a community leader. He's nothing, actually, as all of us are. He's just Justin. He's just Justin. He loves the Lord, and he has a passion for the King. And I think there's something we can just learn from him this morning. And so why don't we just reach out our hands. And Lord, I pray that right now, as Jesse shares, come Holy Spirit, would you just, yeah, I know you put a word on his heart. You've uh, laid just something in his heart. And I pray this morning as he shares, Jesus, that it wouldn't just be Justin's words, but it would be what's on your heart for us as a congregation this morning, Jesus. So we open our hearts, Lord God, this morning. We thank you that, actually, I, I just so love the fact that it, one doesn't need a title to be preaching. One doesn't need a position to be preaching. One doesn't need any validation from man to be preaching. Actually, all we need is the validation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's all it takes. It takes willing hearts, willing hearts, people that are just open to hearing. Actually, you know what? Like, I didn't even ask him to come and preach. He came to me and said, Chad, like, Dan, I've got something bubbling on my heart to share. Can I? And we're like, man, for sure, go for it. And that is my heart. I'd rather, you know, I said to the guys, I'd rather be holding people back than pushing them forward. I'd rather be holding you back because you're a wild stallion wanting to run for Jesus. And this morning, Lord, as, as Justin is, that wild stallion running for you, Jesus, that he would just... Point us to you. Point us to you, Jesus, through his words and through even the revelation this morning, I pray. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? And so we would open our spiritual ears this morning. And I want to just say that right now. Just, just open your spiritual ears to what the Lord would, have, would say. If you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, maybe this morning he will reveal himself to you in a way that changes you forever. That is the point, actually. That is the point, is that we would every one of us would come into a relationship with Jesus. Every single one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Right. Hi, fam. My name is Justin, for those of you that didn't get. That was the part where you say, hi, Justin. Hi. Too late. Hi, I'm Justin. Hi, fam. <laughs> uh, so today I'm going to be speaking um, a little about intimacy with God and the spaces between. So for those of you that are writing down uh, the preach, the message, the whatever you want to call it, the spaces between, and the subheading is being grafted back into the form of God with intimacy. Being grafted back into the form of God with intimacy. So I'm going to spend a lot of time in Scripture, actually, less of me and more of Scripture. So I'm hoping um, that, as Chad prayed, exactly that would happen, because what we're reading and what we're going to go through in the Scripture is the living Word of God. And it's not me and my words that cut to the heart. It's Scripture. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. So hopefully in what I've placed and what God has placed on my heart, but what's going to be up on the screen is going to be able to cut to the heart. So the spaces between. So what I was thinking about is we're looking at between Sunday and 
between Sunday and Sunday, right? And what I was thinking about, it's more like a washing line. So when we come here on a Sunday, we have a pole that gets put up. And when we come back next Sunday, another pole gets put up. And in between, there's this line tension that happens as we go out during our days of the week, our essentially Mondays to Saturdays. And what we need to do is not rely only on the Sundays because our line is going to dip as we go through life and as we experience all of its things and um, trials and tribulations and work life and family life and kids and waking up early and all the things in between. And if we're not tapping into the original source, going back into the form, which is Jesus, that line is going to dip. And if we're only relying on when we come to a Sunday for that strut to be hold us up, if we had to zoom out and look at the rest of our lives, what's going to happen is we're going to have a whole bunch of poles standing as we came back and forth to church. But our line, our line tension is going to be this dip, this dip. But what we actually want to do is we want to look back as we zoom out of our lives with God when we're standing essentially at the pearly gates with Him. And we want to see tension upon tension. We want to see pole upon pole and the line being so taut because the intimacy that we've held with God has held us strong. And the woes and the worries of this world hasn't allowed our lines to dip and to sag. Does that make sense? So I'm going to start first with a little bit of me um, and sort of sharing like where my intimacy with Christ came from. So it first came with corporate worship. So here, worshiping Jesus, worshiping God within church and experiencing him. But here's the key. In the space throughout my whole life, I've experienced Jesus. I've experienced God. I've experienced the Holy Spirit, but I haven't gotten to know him here. This is where I haven't gotten to know him. Where I've gotten to know him is the Monday through to the Saturday. As I sat alongside him and sought his face, where I wrestled inside his hands, where I've nestled inside of his heart, where I was tucked underneath his wings, those are the spaces where I got to know him. So in the same breath, if we're only relying on the experience of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in corporate worship on a Sunday, Oh, guys, what's happening? What are we laying down for the rest of the week? What are we holding on to? Not much. What is our tension going to look like? What is our line going to look like? Not great. The next part is probably car worship. Like, I love having car, <laughs> my car having worship on. Um, and it's really been a space of intimacy. If you've driven with me, you know I don't concentrate too much. Um, <laughs> Never accidents, never accidents, never, but I, I, I get a little bit sidetracked. So the, the worship is good because I can sort of focus, maybe, let, maybe, that's the, maybe that's the issue, maybe that's the issue, no joking. So definitely those carved out times, and I remember in the times when I would drive less on my daily commute, I would almost miss those times because it was no longer about just me driving, just me going on out through my daily life. It was actually me Carving out a time that was there ready, but intentionally to spend it with Jesus, intentionally to hear his heart. And when I go back to when I was about 16, 15, 13, whatever it was, and they would be washing dishes or doing whatever, I wouldn't do it because I had to. I'd do it because I want to, because I'm actually using it as a pleasing gift to my father, as a pleasing gift, a laying down of my life. So using the moments in between the week that actually already carved out. I think often what happens is we think quiet times need to just be those specific five or four minutes, but they don't. They don't. The Lord's actually carved out many, many beautiful moments throughout a day that we can seek his face. We must just grab onto them and hold and not let go. And then I suppose 
the another part is processing with God. Like just, it's not, it's less about praying, but actually more about going throughout our day. And actually, Lord, I'm just going to lay this quickly at your feet. I'm not quite sure where I go. This is how I feel. This is where I'm going. This is what it looks like. And then going backwards and forwards until together with him, I actually arrive at something that more looks like him and less of me in the process that I got to. So it's definitely that. There's an aspect of corporate. There's an aspect of private time. There's an aspect of quiet time. There's an aspect of processing. But what it's all led to, what it's all led to, and here's, I think, the important key for this, mor- this morning, is that it's led to a place where um, God has become home. God has become home. So if you look at your own life, when you've gone throughout your life, there's been aspects of a home, whether it be with your um, parents or whether it be now as a husband and wife, you've, you've created a space that feels like home, a space where you can just be yourself. We're talking jammers, we're talking slippers, you can just be. There's no expectation for you to be anyone else than yourself. The presence of God must be that. It must be home. So that even if you're in corporate worship, even if you're in the car, even if you're washing dishes, whatever you do, the presence of God must be home. And the beauty of that is the home that we experience here on earth is something tangible that we have to drive to. But the presence of God, we don't have to drive through. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, His home is inside of us. He becomes the dwelling place. So we need to get to know His presence so well that when we go throughout life, when we go throughout that Monday to Saturday, He's there. He's there. He's there. So much so that if He's there between that Monday to Saturday, that when we come here and all our homes are together, and we are unified, wow, what power. No longer does this place come between a Sunday service where I need to come and receive. What it becomes, it becomes where I've taken my whole week's worth of home, home experiences, and I come lay it down as a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. We all do that. Wow, what worship. Wow, what intimacy. Wow, what presence. Fast track yourself to 412, four and a half thousand people seeking out and bringing almost what God has woven throughout the week as a tapestry, a tapestry of all of his intimacies that he's gotten, that he's experienced and secrets that he's dwelled on our hearts throughout the week. And we come and we lay it at his feet while the tapestry that he's going to weave together as we come and worship in unity as a body. Because it's no longer about the experiences of corporate worship, but it's about the intimacy with the Father in the spaces between the Monday to the Saturday. And the beauty about that is no one's in control of that but me. But me seeking the Father. Because I think what happens also on the Sundays, we can come, yeah, but the preach wasn't. Yeah, but the worship wasn't. And I've had a busy week. But Jesus. But Jesus. And then what we do when we come here We come here with a pleasing sacrifice, an aroma that's so pleasing to God that when our praises go up, wow, the walls come down of Jericho. Wow, the walls come down of Jericho. So there's two contributing factors that I want to speak to you about today. And the first one is the great commandment, and that's from Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
I love this because this is essentially laying down the foundation of what this time, what this time of Monday to Saturday looks like. It looks like that we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. And the beauty about that is the heart and the, the heart and the mind are essentially the driving force behind the fleshly desires. And what the Lord is asking us here is that we love Him so much that the desires on our heart, the fleshly desires, the things that take us away from His presence, we desire them less as we desire Him more. Because essentially our soul is taken care of because we've been saved, right? So what we can almost control in that love the Lord God through your heart, soul, and mind, the heart and the mind we can control by taking away, becoming masters of our flesh, not letting our flesh running away with us during the week. So what is the link? What is the link between God and others? Because he essentially is asking us of two things here. One, to love him, and the second part is to love others. So I want to take us to 1 John 3, 1 to 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And what is that we are? And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made to us. But what we know, that when Christ appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So what's the link? We are children of God. That's the link. He is our father, right? So as him being our father, that means we are all brothers and sisters, which the Bible speaks about. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are brothers and sisters. So if he is our father, that means the love that he has for me, I'm automatically going to have for you because we're family. This is the key in the unity. And where disunity comes is when that love is severed and broken. And it's a simple thing that God's asking us to do. Love him as I loved you so you can love others. That's the link. We are his children. We are his children. But where does this love come from? And what does it mean to now love others? So if we've got now sort of the mandate, which is like the, the, the great commandment, right? And he's asking sort of, okay, well, what does this mean? So, what is, so, where, so where does this love come from? So I want to take us to 1 John 4, 11 to 17. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and that he in us. He has given us his spirit. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that our Father has sent his Son to be our Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that... Jesus is the Son of God. God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. 
And this is how we love, is made complete among us so that what we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world, we are like Jesus. So we are made by love and we are made for love. Love for God and love for others. If we accept this thing that we are made by and for love, how can we not love? if we are made by love, and that by love is actually by in the image of God. So that means all of us sitting here, and this is a beautiful concept, all of us sitting here reflect God. We all reflect Him. We have Him in every fiber of our being. He's there. He's there. He's here. Even more so when we accept Him as our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. So we almost, we almost are a product of a Genesis 127, where we are made in his image, made in his likeness. How can we not worship him when he's a part of us, when he's in us, when we are his image? And there's something key here. There's actually an identity aspect that I just want to tap on a little bit. We are able to love because we know who we are loved by and in the image of. And in this space, we can securely love well because we were first loved. First loved and loved well in that space. So my question for this part is, how well, how well do we know and believe that we are loved by the Father? How well do we know and believe that we are loved by the Father? It's almost easy to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior because there's so much about him and we can picture his death on the cross and there's almost like an tangible aspect. We get, to, we get to experience his Holy Spirit in so many ways that's so beautiful and so intimate. But there's a difference about knowing the love of the Father. There's a difference there. How well do we know the love of the Father? And there's a bit of a practical aspect here. We, we can tap into that practical love of the Father by spending time with Him during the week, by making sure that our quiet times aren't just knowing the Word, aren't just sitting there and quickly reading through so we can tap into or tick off what we need to do during the day, but actually, God, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know your heart. What was your heart for your people here? Why did you do that? Ask Him. He's a loving father. He wants to share the secrets and the mysteries of who he is to you. Ask him, why did you do that, God? What was your heart here for your people? What were you up to? You definitely had a plan. Everything's intentional with you. What were you up to? Why did you do that? Does that change the concept of your quiet time? It's no longer just about quickly reading something in Romans and hoping for the best and that the Lord will uh, slot something up, we write it down, we move on. But it's actually like, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to take a step back. God, what are you doing here? What are you up to? What do you want to share with me that I can be a blessing to others, that I can grow my faith, that I can stir a deeper intimacy with you? God, what are you up to? So let's look at the how. Wait, before we get there. So now that we have the mandate, the great commandment, we have the reason, we are the children of God, we have the where, God who is love and, and allows us the ability to, to love others, 
what we saved uh, through and by and for. Let's look at the how. 1 Peter 4, 7 to 10. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because this love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace, God's grace in its various forms. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. My word. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And in our Mondays to Saturdays, we're going to have a lot of stuff. A lot of pawpaws that are going to hit the fan. <laughs> a lot of pawpaws. But in that space, we need each other. We need each other to love each other well, to encourage each other daily, so that the love that we, that we have for each other will cover a multitude of sins and will help clean up all the pawpaw that's there afterwards. So before I move on to the next thing, I just want to pray. Let's pray, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that it bridged the gap. It bridged the gap and allowed us to enter into the Father's heart. So Jesus, I pray that that will be on our hearts this week as we go through art. That we'll do just that. Long to know the Father's heart. Long to nestle and rest in his hands. Jesus, I pray that you will allow with your Holy Spirit, even now, to start tapping into places that of our heart that don't belong yet to God. Places that he needs to work into. Jesus, won't you come? Amen. So part two. Part two. Part one was sort of looking at uh, the love for one another and the love for God and how that works out. Part two is looking at sin. But I want to look a little bit, a little, a little less at sin and more about God as the answer to sin, if that makes sense. So the first part I want to look at is we know traffic cops here in George really well. They have their 24-hour roadblocks. There's someone always around. Um, and in George, you have to watch. So all of us would have been through that, those of us who drive. You would have, as you're driving and you see a traffic cop coming there, you would be like, is my safety belt on? Was I speeding? What was the speed limit? You normally ask the person next to you, what was the speed limit? <laughs> um, you sort of, have I got my license? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Um, I'll end up even hiding my phone in the door. It wasn't even on me, but I'll hide it in the door just in case it was nearby and they saw it. Um, and then we also gauge by the people around us. Were they speeding? No, but he was speeding faster. Okay. <laughs> so what happens when we get stopped by the traffic cop um, and he, stop, he or she stops us in that moment? They're either going to fine us for something that we did wrong or they're doing it just to check up around the vehicle. They're doing that type of stuff. When we leave that space, we leave feeling, oh, thank goodness nothing happened, or <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what we don't leave from that space is, wow, I'm loved by that traffic cop. <laughs> you definitely don't leave that way. 
Well, at least I do. Maybe there's someone here that's experienced that. If you're good, the love of God is on you. You guys are great. You're proper Christians. <laughs> Grace and peace to you and all the things in between. Um, but you don't leave being, feeling loved by the traffic cop. You almost feel like, oh, I've just scaved. Oh, there's an issue and I need to fix it out or mm, a little bit angry. But you don't feel, you don't feel loved by the Father. There's, not, there's almost like a complete sever in between those two moments. There's no relationship. So then I want to think about, well, then what constitutes a father's love here on earth? Where, what constitutes a father's love? Is it about his provision or is it about his unconditional love for his child? If it was about his provision, then when things go south and he's no longer able to provide, you're going to question his love. You're going to question his love. But if it's based on his love, my word, it doesn't matter on what he gives, what he takes away and everything else in between. He will always be father. He will always be father. And I think in this moment, actually before I share that, John 17, 5. John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence and with the glory I had with you before the world began. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began before the world began. There's such a beautiful concept here. We often will relate to God as being the savior, as being the provider, as being the person or the God who restored, who redeemed. He is all of those things. But the glory I had with you before the world began. Before the world began, he was with Jesus. Who is he to Jesus? Father. He's first and foremost Father. Yes, He's the Savior. Yes, He's the Redeemer. Yes, He's the traffic cop. Yes, He's the provider. He's all of those things. But if we connect with Him on all of those things, when things go wrong, we're going to question our faith in Him. We have to connect first with God being our Father bypass the grace that he has on his life to be all the things that we now get to live in freedom for. First, Father. First, Father. Hmm. So there's, there's a slight narrative that I want us to change in the pictures and in our thought life of the way that we see God. Um, we need to see him first as Father, um, and not through the lens of our sin. Because when we come to a father, because we've done something wrong, in that moment, it should be more about his love for us and wanting us to change, and less about, oh, I'm coming to you because I've done something wrong. Yes, I'm coming to you because I've done something wrong, but his knee-jerk reaction isn't, da, 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 da. it may be that later. His, his default reaction is, come, come, my son, in who I'm well-pleased, in who I died for, in who I love wholeheartedly. Come, rest in my hands, nestle in my heart, hide underneath my wings so I can restore you, redeem you, because I love you intimately, and I died for you, and I'll die all over again for you, just so you can experience my love. Just so you can experience my love. God is first and foremost Father, before he is all the rest of the stuff that we place on him. 
So I want to go back to Genesis for a little bit. No verses. I just want to take you back to the moment. Um, the moment of sin, where, where sin entered the world. Uh, we always think of it as the fruit, the, for, the forbidden fruit and the action of taking that fruit and biting into it is the sin. It is the sin, but it's the second sin. The first sin is the doubt that crept into the heart, that God the Father was hiding something, the doubt that he wasn't good enough, that he wasn't enough, and that there was more to him that he wasn't revealing, more to him that is better for us to know, the doubt. That's a heart lie that's lying in there. And the devil's good with that. We often see sin at the end. We see the action thereof. But I think God is more about the heart. The heart and the lies that are lying there. That the devil's just been, hmm, maybe there is something more here. Something better. Something tasting sweeter. Don't listen to him. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't create you. Really? That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Those are heart lies that will lead later into external things that we see. First lie, doubt. Doubt that the Father is good enough and that what he's provided for you isn't enough. It's always enough. It's always good. It's the doubt. The doubt. And the Lord's been highlighting this word doubt for quite a bit um, in the last while. So before we go on, don't let this doubt moment shift and the Lord not do a work. While I carry on, let it wrestle inside your heart. What doubt do I have about you as God the Father that's stopping me from worshiping you wholeheartedly as I come forward? What doubt? What lie has crept in that is not true of who God is? That is not true, but it's stopping me from worshiping. Even if it means just coming forward. Even if it means just raising your hand. Even if it means not laying down your life fully because there's aspects of my heart that mm, <laughs> you can have that but not that. Lies. Little doubts. Little doubts. So the Lord's almost calling us to a place where we actually bypass sin completely. We become masters of our sinful nature. We bypass sin completely and we run straight to the Father, running into His arms, experiencing His holiness. That there's a little bit more. It's almost like the picture that he gave me, it's almost like he wants us to be grafted back into the vine. Um, for those of you that are gardeners, there's such a beautiful concept of being grafted back in. Because that original grafting process, you have to do some prep where you carve out and make a space on both the vine and on the new shoot that you want to graft back in. But once it takes, it's there. Once it takes, it's there. And it's now part of the original vine. It's gone back into the form of what it was created to be. Back into the original formation of what it was created to be. And there's something beautiful about what happened in the Garden of Eden that the Lord almost fixed. He flipped it on its head. When, when that Garden of Eden moment, when that fruit was taken, when that doubt was instilled, there was a sever between God and man, even though we made in his image. But what Jesus does, he comes and he reunites that, right? reunites us a space to enter into the presence of the Father. Um, and he allows us the ability to get grafted back in alongside him and his spirit. 
There's something so beautiful about that. Being grafted back into our original form of who we were created to be and to look like God. As we're made in His image and as we're made in His likeness. Grafted back in to the original form of who we were created. So I want to take us to John 15. Um, just for time purposes, I've shortened it a little bit, and I'm only doing 1 to 4 and 9 to 17, but I don't want you to read it. I don't want you to read it. I want you to close your eyes, and I want to read it over you. I want to read it over you, and I want you to almost depict as this is Jesus speaking over and into your heart. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands and I remained in his love. I have told you this so that you might have my joy and that your joy Will be complete. My command is this love others as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you may ask in my name, I will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Amen. So the Lord is actually asking us, because it's great. Imagine, imagine, if, this was, imagine if this was the relationship with Jesus. We fall in love with him, um, and then we get grafted back in, and then that's it. No, he's asking us between that Monday and that Saturday, every day to get grafted back in. Every day to get grafted back into the vine, allowing every aspect of, us, of our lives to be opened into the original vine so that he prunes and restores. He breaks off the things that doesn't belong there. We have to allow him to do that. We have to allow him to do that. So how do we do that? Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright, godly lives in the, pre in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us for all the wickedness, 
to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Eager to do what is good. That's the second part. Intimacy with the Father starts at knowing, not just experiencing, that He is our Father, and then gazing into His heart, resting into His hands, nestling in His heart, tucking underneath His wing. Not just a quick, quiet time, because it's what we do. Not just a quick, tick box, quiet time that won't sustain the rope during the week. That won't sustain the rope during the week. Intimacy with the Father will. Intimacy with the Father will. So we have this love for God. We have this love for one another. We have this ability to connect with Him daily. Um, an aspect of being grafted back into the original form of God, where we look like Him, like we were created to be, where we bring what we've created with Him, the beautiful tapestry that we weaved, we bring forward on a Sunday as a pleasing sacrifice, as an offering of what we've learned about His secrets and of His, in, and of his intimacies. We bring it here on a Sunday. But there's one aspect we just need to still cover. We need to lose our life in this process. We have to lose our life in this process. We have to lay it down. We can't be grafted back in the vine but serving money. We can't be grafted back in the vine but not being masters of our sin. I hate to tell you, but it's going to be pruned off. We have to lose ourselves. Because our desire, our heart's desire as we get to know the Father is to be like Him. When we look into his eyes, we want to see us, not what we did wrong. But we have to lose ourselves in the process. And the verse behind that is Philippians 3, verses 8 to 10. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Becoming like him in his death. The Lord is asking us two things, two simple things today, to come back into the fold, to come back into the fold, a place of deep intimacy where he can treasure you and you can treasure him, where it's no longer about the things that we've made it, but it's about him seeking his face and hearing his heart. The second place that he's calling us to is that he will be enough. He will be enough. Enough that even when the things are not great, he will be enough. And when the moments in the week aren't great, and that line tension starts to dip, even when you are experiencing God, but you're in the wilderness, the love for one another steps in. And if you walk in those doors on a Sunday, and no one knows that your line is dipping, there's an issue. We need to have those moments where we carry each other in on the stretcher and lower us, us, us each other down. 
weekly as we're carrying each other in. That's what it must look like. When the intimacy and the spaces where we're tapping into aren't they enough, but the Lord is quiet because of the wilderness, we need to carry each other in. And if you've gone throughout a week and haven't allowed a brother or sister to encourage you and you haven't had a space where you're vulnerable and sharing your heart, don't walk in here without them carrying you because love covers a multitude of sins. And in that space, they will lower you down in the presence of Jesus. And in that space, he'll heal and restore because they've held your hand as you held theirs and they carry you towards Jesus. What a beautiful picture. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you for your dying love for us. And as a result, thank you for your undying love for us. Thank you that we get to stand on the other side. Being able to connect back with God the Father. So Jesus, in this moment, won't you, won't you cultivate a new love, a new love for you as God the Father? Won't you come and deal with the depths of a heart that you haven't been allowed to walk into? Hmm. Holy Spirit, won't you come and bring your unbelievable peace that surpasses all understanding and your joy and your joy as serving you Jesus is an absolute delight as we lay down our lives to be grafted back into the original form of intimacy with God Jesus won't you come Holy Spirit won't you do your work do the things that you need to do so that we will be the pleasing sacrifice. We will lose our life for you. To gain but you. To gain but you. To gain but you. Because you, Jesus, are enough.